Let me take just a second we get started and say hello to all you guys watching online and for all of you that are visiting with us for the first time today, welcome. As always, if you can need anything, just find somebody with a sticker on that says I'm here to help and they will get you to where you need to go or the information you need and if they don't know, they will go find it for you. I want to add in a couple quick things before we jump into our message. Um, first, we put out this week on our social media um, all of the uh, our di digital invites for Easter. So they'll look something like this. They're just framed, so you can download them, you can send them to your friends. They're framed to be able to fit on your phones. Um, I encourage you, use them. Most phones, you can go in and click edit and write your name in or say, will you join me? Or you can add a personal message to it. And I encourage you to, uh, to do that. Um, remember, you made a promise. And if you didn't make a promise, well, you're gonna make it today. Hey, I, I can find one person. One person that needs to know a God who so passionately wants to know them, and uh, you can do that for us. And we're excited. Um, go ahead and start planning. Um, we're, we're planning for a full house, and we're going to be ready for a full house. And I, I believe we're getting there. Amen? Amen? The next thing I wanted to tell you, too, is Melanie was talking about Project 216. Um, in the last couple years, because of COVID, um, we didn't do our normal um, fall and spring offerings project 216 and our outreach if you've been here for a while you've heard this before but um, i truly believe that when when we do what god's asked us to do in finances and we tithe and then we're generous that i truly believe that the church could take care of the the need of people without the government if the church just did what it was supposed to that being said um that's why we only take up those two special offerings a year because i just don't believe that i don't believe you don't want to come to church, and somebody new doesn't want to come to church, and have somebody browbeat them to give, to give, to give. we got to give, 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 or, or we're going to go under. You give because you're obedient. You give because you're generous, and then God uses that for us to change our city and our community. That being, uh, with that idea, and somebody, we've gotten messages about asking, hey, are you going to do uh, what we call the egg drop offering or spring offering or Project 216 because we haven't in the last few years. We are going to be doing those, but we're going to be combining them into one single offering, and we're going to do it in the fall, and we're going to call it a legacy offering. And that's something we're going to ask everybody. Just All we're going to ask you to do is pray and see what God lays on your heart to do. And that one offering will cover, it will be distributed to Project 216. It will go out to our spring outreach that we're doing uh, this weekend and it will be able to fund that, and it will allow us to be able to just consolidate that into one. So now we can say, unless God speaks very clearly, we're only going to take up one extra offering. And it's, we're going to do it, and that Sunday will go toward everything that is, uh, is outreach, everything that God wants us to be prepared for. So yes, we are taking those offerings. We're just consolidating. If you want to go ahead and give to the, either the Egg Drop or, like Melanie said, the Project 216, you can just note that on your giving, and it will still go to there. But that official offering will be in the fall, and we'll give you more information as that comes. We're going to jump into our series today called Closer. We've been preparing last couple weeks called Change Your World about getting you to this place. As we lead into Easter, this series will take us there. And my prayer is that it helps not only you take one step and get closer to God, but that it helps you bring somebody with you. That this journey, you shouldn't be walking it alone. You should be bringing somebody behind you. And really, honestly, you should be following somebody that's been in the game longer than you, that's, that's ahead of you. Um, but as we head toward Easter, 
in this time period as we start looking toward when the period when Jesus would go to the cross. Some call it the, and you know, here we have Holy Week services in, in the community, and that's what people call that week Holy Week. But I want to give you some examples. As Jesus went into this week where he would lay down his life for us, I want to give you some examples where Jesus took some moments, some time to invest in people and to get closer to them. Not just to brag on himself or not just to say, you know, he, and tell everybody what he was doing. But if you look at the Bible, he actually took some time to begin to draw people in. And in the middle of him heading to the cross is when he spent this time. We're going to hang our hat on this verse here in James chapter 4, verse 8, and to, all the way up through Easter. When the Bible says in James, come close to God and he will come close to who? To you. There's no qualifications on that other than you come close to him. You move closer to him, the Bible says he comes closer to you. And, and we need to understand this, that heading toward the cross, Jesus does something a, a little, I thought it was a little strange, because he, all through Jesus' life, once the disciples were on the scene, he began to tell them, hey, y'all aren't really going to understand what's going on, but somebody's going to die, somebody's going to be raised again, and we're gonna, I'm going to establish the kingdom. And the disciples thought all along that it was, he was going to take over the world and start an earthly kingdom. But I want you to look at this. And most of you, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard this. If it's new to you, that's great too. But in Matthew chapter 20, verse 17, the Bible says Jesus was going to Jerusalem. And he's, he's headed toward the cross. And he takes the disciples, and I, I highlighted it behind me, aside privately and told them what was going on. He said, I want you to know. And then he says to them, hey, we are we're, one ver you know, it's a contraction there, but some versions say we are. We are going to Jerusalem. You're going with me. And the disciples just didn't get it. Jesus tells them exactly what's going to happen in the following scriptures. I'm going to be turned over to the Romans. I'm going to be beaten beyond recognition. I'm going to be crucified alongside criminals. I'm going to be put in the grave, and then I'm going to be resurrected by the same power that God, the Holy Spirit is going to come in and get me out. And I'm, going to come, and I'm going to pay the price for your sin. He tells them all of this. I think he wanted them to know, but they, didn't, they just didn't get it. Have you ever tried to explain something to somebody? I don't know. I'm, I'm a, a little bit of a, a technology geek. And sometimes you find something cool, and um, some of you guys can identify with me, and you just start going on about it, and you start naming model numbers and brands and all this, you know, and at least Melanie does. Melanie just looks at me and smiles. And I said, you have no clue what I'm talking about. No. I think that's the way the disciples were looking at Jesus, like, mm, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, Barry, resurrection, yeah, good idea. What's he talking about? I think that's how the disciples looked at him. But the problem is that right after Jesus tried to tell them this, I want to show you something that happened, and it shows us what I think we do because we completely miss it. Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm about to go do the most selfless thing the world has, will ever know about, and I'm going to lay down my life for all of humanity. For, in my mind, the, the disciples should be focused on that. But look at Matthew 20, we'll move on, on down to verse 20. Then Mama gets involved. 
It says, Then the mother of James and John, two of the disciples, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. And notice she, what she does. She kneels according to the custom, and she's respectful, getting close to Jesus. Now, Jesus was obviously God, so he knew what she was up to. But for us, oh, wow, she's trying to get close to God. Well, she really wasn't. Look at the next verse in verse 21. It says, what, he asked, what's your request? And she says, in your kingdom. Now, she thinks it's an earthly kingdom. She's not thinking heavenly, eternal. It says, please let my two sons sit in the place of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. She wanted her two sons to have the highest place of honor. And she was trying to, mama was trying to pull strings, protect her babies, get her babies. Well, she obviously was up to something because she knew if her two sons were number two and number three in this kingdom, then she's going to have some clout. It would be like the, her being, hey, can you make, going to the president, can you make my two sons your vice president and your secretary of state? What, is that going to bring her some notoriety? Yeah. So even her motivation, she was like, I'm, I want to stay close to you because you're going to be powerful, but she was not clued into the relationship side of it. Though she wanted to, to get them closer because she wanted what the position could do for them. Even if you look in, in, into Mark's version, Mark actually says it was not her, their mother, but Mark actually says that it was James and John. They were in on it, in on this fight for power. You see, they thought that being close, that that position would bring them power. That, that being close to God was all about this power and position. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible is clear that God does give us power. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now resident on the inside of us. But he gave us a tool to do what he asked us not giving us something so we could brag about it, or it's not about just to make us special. You see, one thing matters, and if you don't understand this, getting closer to, for you to get closer to God is going to be difficult. But see, Jesus said to them, hey, you don't even know, in verse 22, you don't even know what you're asking. In other words, you think this is about the earth. You think I'm about to go... Um, just take over and take over the Roman Empire. But that's not what's about to happen. I'm about to do something you can't do for yourself. See, the truth of the matter is to get closer to God, that position, the position that Jesus took, was a position of sacrifice. That he had, as, as we march into Easter, that we understand moving closer to God is about honoring his sacrifice, and his sacrifice was the only way that we could get closer to him. That the Bible's very clear. It was God's will. If you look in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, For God's will was for us to be made holy. In other words, Jesus' sacrifice through his blood allowed us to see God, interact with God, respond to him as the Father. By the sacrifice of Jesus, once and for all, that Jesus covered all of that for us. Then the Bible goes on to say that he covered our sins, and then he sat down in the place of of honor, that he was our high priest in verse 12. As you skip on to verse 12, it says he covered all our sins. It was good forever. And then Jesus sat down at the right hand. And he's telling, Jesus tells the mother, hey, you don't even know what you're asking. You're asking. What she was asking, if you really look at it, she was asking to sit 
for her sons to sit in Jesus' place because it says Jesus is the one that sits at the right hand of the Father. See, the only way you can get closer to God is you start this journey, and the only way you can take somebody with you is that there has to be a cost paid, a bill paid. And the disciples didn't just see that. It matter of fact, if you back up a couple of verses, Jesus had already, I mean a couple of chapters, Josh, Jesus had already told them this in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 26. He tells them that every chance in the world, not going to work. But Jesus looked at them and said, hey, no chance if you think you can do it. It's not going to happen. But if you look at the last part of the verse, it says, in every chance in the world, if you're going to let me do it. Because getting closer to God, the only answer in it, the only way that cost is paid, it was, as you need to understand, it was the cost that Jesus paid. You need to understand, and we need to understand as we bring people with us, God's not asking you to instantly become saved and be perfect. He's asking you to become saved, and the Bible says he begins to make us. You're perfect in his eyes. Your sin's forgiven, but he's not asking you to suddenly be just perfect. Like, um, I had a friend of mine that years ago, and he got saved, and he was one of these guys that, uh, how do I put it nicely? Like, he would make a sailor blush. Like, he would invent new profane work. Like, where do you come up with this stuff? And it was so much a part of his life that he didn't, and I think a lot of us, a lot of people who say stuff, and even even cuss words and things that, you know, we don't say, you shouldn't say in public. We don't even say them for, we don't even think about what they mean. We just say them as the, you know, exclamation point. And so my friend, it was so much a part of him that when he got saved, he dealt with condemnation for weeks because it was his instant response. If you just went up and slapped him on the back and surprised him, he would say, oh, blank. And he would, every word he said, every sentence he started, started with an expletive. And he dealt with this condemnation. See, God didn't expect him to get saved and suddenly just be perfect. It took time for God to work on his heart and begin to tenderize his heart and for him to begin to ingest word, God's word, and begin to that become what came out of him. See, Jesus was very clear in John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I am, he said three things. I'm the way. The only way you're going to get there is through me. I am the truth. The Bible says that Jesus is, is and was with God. The truth was with God, and God was, he was there from the beginning. And it says, I am life. If you want those things, you can't get to it unless you come through, through me. And you can't get to the Father unless, unless I pay your, your debt. So you need to understand that Jesus paid the cost. You see, James and John are asking God to make, asking Jesus in this, hey, make us a promise. Make us a deal. We want you to make us your number two and number three. Now see, the irony of this is that they were literally talking to the promise. Did you ever think about that? The Bible says of Jesus that he was the promised redeemer. He was the promised lamb of God. He was the promised salvation that was to come. And they're asking Jesus to bring them closer just for position. And he said, no, you don't need the position. You just need to receive the promise. Galatians 3, 22 
says that the scriptures declare. You know what declare means? I think about the, um, she's not here today. I think David, um, David and Sherry Burke, their daughter, Grayson. Um, I did their wedding, and I hope, Grayson, maybe you're watching. And they did it in Disney World. And it was so cool that when you left the little chapel where they got married, they had the whole experience. Y'all remember the old town crier? And they had this guy, and I would go to walk out the door, cause, and I would walk behind, going to the reception, I walked behind the bride and the groom, because I was on the front with them. So and I went to go open the door, and I, was gonna, I ran around them, and I was going to open the door for him. And this big guy in tights and a hat and, like, old crier wear, like, no. It's like, okay, love to get up, buddy, but what you talking, you know. He slings the door open. And he goes, Harry, Harry, here comes Mr. and Mrs. I was like, okay, that was good. We walk another hundred feet, and we have to go through another door. Trying to be a gentleman and open the door for the bride and groom, he smacks me out of the way again. I was like, you've already announced them. He said, please step aside. All right, Mr. Disney, you're getting serious now. He opens the door, Harry, Harry, and he begins screaming. This is the second time. And then we go through other doors, and they're screaming. I'm like, bro, what if we got to go through like 50 doors? You're going to scream every time we walk through the door. Well, that was his job. He was to proclaim, he was declaring, hey, y'all don't know these people, but they just got married, and they're about to come through here, so show them a little love. See, that's what the Scripture's doing. So y'all don't understand this, but there's going to be somebody that comes and pays for your sin. And God said, I'm promising you this, that freedom only comes one way. It's my son that I'm sending. And the Bible actually says of John, that's what John the Baptist did. He declared the way, hey, here's what's coming. So the Bible's that emphatic about it. And James and John just aren't getting it. They aren't getting the fact that Jesus not only paid the cost, but he's also the promise. The only way you get to the Father is somebody had to pay the cost, and Jesus also fulfilled the prophecy from the beginning of the Bible that said somebody's going to come and pay for your sin. Jesus actually says this in John chapter 17, verse 23. He says, I'm in them and they are in me. May they experience such a perfect unity with me. In other words, may they be able to get so close to me that the world will know that they're different. That the world will know something's different about you, but you're not just weird, but you're always happy. You've got joy. You seem to care about other people. You seem to care about the, the needs of other people. You seem to focus on others instead of yourself. See, the Bible says that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Why? And you need to understand this about God. For you getting close and you taking somebody with you, God's focus is people. Always people. That's why he's done everything he's done. He's literally moved heaven and earth and sent his son for us as we head into Easter. And that the Bible is very clear. God's focus is people. He's focused. He's passionate. The Bible says in one verse, and I didn't give this to you, but it says that he's a jealous God. He's, he, he gets bothered when something gets in front of him. If you've been around for a little while, you've probably heard me say this before. You know that, that God in your life, we all have seats. 
orders of importance, priorities in our lives, that the Bible's pretty clear. There's only one seat God's going to sit in. He's only going to sit in that first seat beside you. If you take somebody out and put somebody, even a wife, it's, it's, the world wouldn't like to hear this, but in my priority, Melanie's number two. Because if I don't put God first, I can't give her what she needs. I can't be what I need to be her. God's, but I, I really think that a lot of us, we take God's seat, and it may be a person, it may be stuff, it may be somebody, it may be an obsession, a hobby. Most of the time it's a person, and we put them in that place. And God, can you get up a minute? I need to put somebody here. I don't think God moves down. I think he just stands back. All right. Go ahead. That's not where I can sit. I'll just, I'll wait on you. And then when we get things back in order, we invite him to, to come sit down. And that's what I think the disciples were doing. They, they replaced that number one seat with position and power because they wanted to have influence. Now, here's the terrible thing about that. These are guys, and it wasn't just them. If you really look at what I'll give you next, it wasn't just those two. They were all about position and power. How do we know that? Because, let me ask this way. You go to work in the morning, and you find out that somebody else at your level has been hobnobbing the boss because they want the position. And then you come in and find out they've been doing it. So what do you start doing? Oh, I can do that too. We need donuts in the morning. I got donuts. You want to go to lunch? I'll take you to lunch. All about getting that position. Well, the disciples did the same thing. Look what it says. And I think I skipped the verse back there. In verse 20, I mean chapter 20, Verse 24, it says, When the other disciples heard what James and John were doing, they were indignant. It's a fancy word for saying P.O.'d. They were not, what, you trying to get ahead of us? You trying to nudge ahead of us and get in line in front of us? What makes you special? If you read on to verse 26, it says, Among you, you guys got to be different. That whoever wants to be a leader among you must be what? A servant. You have to take people with you. You have to serve people. And these are the same guys. Let's kind of bring this into perspective. These are the same guys that watched Jesus raise people from the dead. They watched him spit on the ground, take some mud, slap it in some guy's eyes. and He, he was blind and now he saw. They watched him cast the demons out of a guy who was insane and had to be chained up in a graveyard because they couldn't deal with him, become totally sane and healed and whole and complete. And they watched all of this. They experienced it. But yet when they saw James and John, they were all upset. See, I believe Jesus wanted to bring the disciples closer to him, but all they could see was not closer. All they could see was position. I got to move up a chair. I got to, I got to be right next to the big guy. And that makes me more important, more powerful. Well, Jesus says, no, that's really not how it works. That if you want to have power and, and, and authority in my kingdom, hey, that person that does is the one that's at the end serving everybody else, picking up trash, taking care of people. Those, he, Jesus says, hey, that's what's important. You see, they still missed it. Jesus said this to several times. I'm here to bring people closer. And he, he said, this is my words, he says this, I'm here to serve people, not power. 
See, our world doesn't work that way. We serve power. You work when they, it's the tradition at the, in the White House, no matter what party you're in, when whoever's in the White House, his staff says, I serve at the pleasure of the, what he says goes. He's, they hire, they fire, I serve at that. Serve people, not power. See, the world, God says, no, no, that's not how it works. See, you in the world want to use people to get power. I'll step on you, the corporate world. I'll, I'll get under you. I'll get on top. Hey, I'll take you out. But it's not the way I do it. God says this. I use my power to reach to get people. That's important because the same power is in you. The same power that God's talking about, hey, that I, I have, the, Jesus says that same power is resident in us. They still miss this message that you're supposed to serve people, not power. See, God is clear. Again, the world would say, no, 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 no. If I get people around me, I use them to my advantage. I get stuff out of them. I get them to pull strings for me. That if, uh, you know, I, my friends that are in full-time law enforcement, every time, every time you meet anybody, Oh, yeah, you work for the police department. Could you help me out? I'm just going 140 down the bypass and got stopped. Right? You laugh because some of you do it. We see you. Hey, there goes. But what are you asking to do? You're asking somebody with power to do what? A people to use their power on your behalf. And God says, that's just not what we, we do. God says, I put power in you so you can go and get people closer so that you can send them an Easter invite and just say, hey, come join me. Come get a cup of coffee. Like Melanie said, I you don't have to even come in by yourself. I'll meet you. We'll go meet at the orange flag or we'll meet out in the, in the, at the coffee out front and bring you in. See, the Bible... Let me do it this way. Push pause for a second, guys. Let go. There we go. They had a routine. They're doing what they were supposed to, but I'm going to just put a pin in it for a minute. Let me, I want to be clear on something. Because I don't want you to walk away and say, well, it's not, God doesn't have power and he doesn't give us power to use it. No, 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 no. The Bible says the same power in you is the same power that God used to bring Jesus from the dead. What I want you to understand is that this, and this was not in my notes, this is, this is extra. I think it's important as we walk this out. God gives you power, but it doesn't have to be weird. Because the moment I start talking about us and, and us you know, praying for people or having God giving us power, we think like Marvel comics shoot fire out of my hand, you know, or um, Spider-Man shoot across the room. Like stuff get weird. But the Bible says of, of Jesus that he was tender as a lamb, yet powerful as a lion. I truly believe this. I want you to hear my heart. 
as you pray about asking who you're going to ask, the Bible says that the same power that, was in G- that brought Jesus is in you. I truly believe a simple invitation, a simple pat on the back, something as, as simple as, hey, just shoot you a text message, I was thinking about you today, came across my mind. Hey, if you're not doing anything, why don't we go to lunch? Hey, why, if you don't you join me for Easter? That, that simple little thing, the Bible says there's more power in it than you can ever know. But it's never used for you to go, look at me. It's always done, the Bible says, that they will see it in you, and then they're going to what? They're going to give God praise. They're going to get closer to God because of what you did. That's power. Now, sometimes it does, it, it, that God's power shows up, and there's supernatural healing. That people, I've seen it. I, I can't explain it. I wish I could, but I can't. God's power shows up, and people who had issues, and medical issues, don't have them anymore. People that were hurting and on the verge of suicide, God kind of brings them out of it. There is that power. But I truly believe that what we forsake is the power, what the Bible says is the power of the lamb, the soft touch. That's simply uh, telling somebody they're cared for. Simply walking in here and one of you stops by somebody sitting down. You know, hey buddy, it's good to see you. I missed you. How's life going? And you just sit and talk and share life with them. There's power in that. And we miss that. We miss that. That Matthew, put that verse back up, Matthew 20. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to do what? Serve. And I want you to say this last part with me. And to give his life for a ransom. To give of himself. You see, that power manifests itself in us as us serving somebody else opening a door, maybe mowing a lawn. It may be, you know, to, hey, I, was, I had five bucks in my hand. Hey, here's five bucks. You know, whatever it is, that's something as simple as that. The Bible says there's power in that. But it's always focused on God is here to serve, and his passion is always people. Because position is not important to him. Why? Because what position can God sit in? That's it. The disciples didn't get that. They were thinking they had to get power to keep their position. And God says, oh, no, 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 you're missing it. I'm giving you power so you can get more people. And when you get more people, I need you to push them in front of you. Put them ahead of you. Lay down your life to serve them. That's what we need to remember. Now, unpush. Bow your head, close your eyes for a minute. I'm going to do a couple of things. I'm going to, you don't have your head bowed for just a little bit longer than normal. But first, I want to ask you the question we always ask. If you say, Clint, well, I can't get close to God because you say I need Jesus, but I don't know how to do this thing. The Bible's clear. It says if you confess Jesus with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, that he did exactly what he told the disciples he was going to do. He came, died, was resurrected, and is now seated at the right hand. He paid your, your bill. I believe that, Lord. Then the Bible says salvation is yours. 
Then we begin to walk the road of getting closer. Then we begin to walk the road of, of letting God change us. Then we begin to walk the road of, of going to the next step and, and doing public, getting water baptized in public and confessing your faith. But now it's just between you and God. And some of you may be saying, well, I need to return. The process is the same. God, I'm sorry. I still believe you are who you said you are. And it's a simple prayer, something like this. Jesus, I confess you with my mouth. I believe you, God, that you are in your son who you said you are. Help me, God. I repent, and I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if, if you prayed that, we've got stuff for you to do next. And again, like Melanie said, we've made it real easy. Take out your phone, stick it up to the little QR code in front of you, and it'll, it'll take care of the rest. But now for the rest of you, again, I'm going to ask you, bow your head, close your eyes again. And I want you to just mentally, for, for now, mentally forget who's beside you, who's around you. And I want you to ask yourself, in the next three weeks, what can I do? What do I need to do? What's my next one step? And if I take my one step, when I take my one step, who's coming with me? Who has God got my sights focused on? And I want you, not out loud, just you right there, just you and God. And you ask God. And now here's me warn you. Don't ask if you don't want to know. Because he will tell you. God, who, who do I need to bring? Who do I need to take along with me? And I want you to ask God that question. Because the Bible says that he has grace and mercy. And I truly believe this. As it comes over you, it comes over everybody around you. As, they, as you experience in your life, people see it and experience it. And begin to make changes as well. All right, now look up at me. Online, look, look. Is that person worth it? Is, is the person that came to your mind, the person that Jesus would have died for, whether you were on this earth or not, and if they were the only person? God says they're worth it. Sent Jesus for him. Because I want to be God. God so passionately wants to be closer to all of us, but He would feel the same way if you were the only one on on the earth. If you're the only one, He would say, "I'm just as passionate to get close to you." Are they worth it? I'm not going to tell you yes because you need to decide this. Are we going to do it? Are we going to make it a in here in our city, in our county, are we going to make an eternal impact? It's not just about numbers. It's not just about filling the seats. Are we going to make an eternal? This is about forever, not just the next 10 years or the next five years or even the next two days. <coughs> are you going to make it? Make that decision. I want you to, to answer that question today sometime. Okay? All right. Why don't y'all stand with me? Let me remind you of a couple of things. If, if you need prayer, to my right, to your left, we always got people over here to pray with you. Don't leave. Just let somebody come agree with you. Let them pray with you about the person you're, you're thinking about. Let them build you up in faith. 
And God, we thank you. We thank you that today we can walk and leave here without condemnation. God, following you and going after that one person that you put us focused on. We thank you for grace and mercy. We thank you for life. And God, I thank you that you're going to turn Scriven County and turn Sylvania upside down for eternity. And that you're going to use us. That we as believers are part of the big church, capital C. And God, you're going to use us. You're going to use us to change God, you're going to use us to make heaven crowded. That your grace and your mercy, Father God, will be seen on our faces. Father God, felt in that gentle touch. God, even when people don't expect it, and we thank you for it now. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.